I said I didn't remember your debt, so it's okay. <laughs> honorable man. Eiskimmel. <laughs> so, in base, we set the groundwork for this mimer. We said that every single thing starts off in Kedusha. In fact, we quoted a Gemara from Chulun that nothing exists besides for Hashem. Even black magic finds its source in holiness. And the Maimer explained that there are some things that in order for them to enter into this world, to reach this world, they have to undergo some crazy um, uh, uh, what what would be the right word for it? Contraction. It's it's not just contractions. Contractions is just one type of thing. We we listed over here. Um, there's contractions and separations yeah. and mesach interruptions and breakingness. All sorts of that means that it can't go straight from above to below. And it needs to undergo such a transformation to get from above to below, that by the time it reaches below, it's undiscernible, indiscernible. It's not recognizable. You cannot connect it to that which used to be. That's ultimately why there is negativity here in this world. The reason why there's darkness, the reason why there's evil, the reason why there are things that are so opposite of godliness, despite the fact that Ein Oid Mulvadeh, nothing exists except for Hashem, is because in the process of their evolution, we'll call it, from above, below, they underwent such deep transformations and separations and interruptions and breakingnesses, etc. that they're they're completely not recognizably connected at all to where they originated from. Ultimately, that's the concept of Yash Me'ayin. Something from nothing. The concept of something from nothing means that somewhere in the process of its evolution, it suddenly seems like where did it come from? Nowhere. And we are Yesh Me'ayin. We human beings are Yesh Me'ayin. We physical, the physical world is Yesh Me'ayin. Because you don't see where it started off. You remember when you were born? No. Do you feel, do you walk around during the day feeling like you were born? Oh, yeah. No? You don't. You feel like you were always here. For as long as you can remember, you never were not here. Right? (laughs) 
as far back as your memory stretches, you were always there. I remember as a kid, you come into an airport from, you know, you're flying wherever, and you'd land in the airport and you look around and where did all these people suddenly come from? How did they get here already? We just got here, <laughs> right? Because the world revolves around me in my natural feeling and it revolves around my existence, my reality, my perception, and that's everything that the world exists. Part of maturity is developing a certain objectivity that I'm able to appreciate things outside of myself. And some people mature more than others um, in achieving this objectivity and realizing that there's a world that's beyond them. Right? So, this is the development that a person goes through, but the fact that I feel that I just exist is the concept of yesh me'ayin. And the fact that we look at the world around us and perceive it as just existing is because the world doesn't have a direct link in its chain of evolution, of creation, to the step that precedes it, to the level that comes before it. Good? Fresh taste? Let's continue. That means that if you're going to look at this chair and you see this chair, it just, it's here. You don't see that there is a spiritual energy which is giving it existence. Why don't you see a spiritual energy and that spiritual energy, I'll tell you what it is. It's the letters Kaf Samach Aleph. Kisei. That the letters Kisei are the spiritual energy and that those letters, they come from wherever they come from. Gavaya Me'al Gavaya. And those letters, they contain a certain energy which is actually breathing existence into the chair. Almost like when you're blowing up a balloon. So the whole entity of the balloon in its presentation is all coming from your constant breath. And as soon as you stop blowing, it flies around the room in a circle and lands slap on the floor, right? Because its entire energy is coming from you. And the balloon should know that it doesn't have its own animation, it doesn't have its own life, it doesn't have its own presentation, it's all you. The chair doesn't know that. Why does the chair not know that? And I'm not talking about the chair per se, I'm talking about my perception of the chair too. In my perception of the chair, there is not that knowledge. Why does the chair not know that? Why do I not feel in the chair that God is giving it its existence? Because it's yesh me'ayin. Because the link in the chain that's bringing it about is imperceivable. That's where that, where those 
levels of Tzimtzum, Hefsek, Shvira, Mesech, I'll present themselves. In my lack of perception of a link in a chain that comes before it. And that's the concept in general of Yeshmi'ayin. And it's because there is that lack of perception that Parai could stand up on his anthill and wave his hands up high and say, I'm a self-made man. I exist. Where does Parai get off with such chutzpah? The answer is because Pari is Yashmeyayin. His existence, his creation is coming from just his existence. You don't see the link before it. You don't perceive that without the energy of godliness that is allowing him to exist, he wouldn't exist. And that's why Klippa is able to wave its hands in the air and say, we exist and we don't care about God. And that's where evil is able to come about. It's all fake. But it's a fakeness that the Eibishter instilled into creation in a very profound way. So am I correct in saying that like The ayin that we cannot see is much, much greater than the yesh that we can. The nothing is much, much more than the something. A puppet, right. Right. But my question is, so this puppet, uh, using the example of the balloon, Klippa um, could be that when you sin, you're giving like air to the, to, uh, to the let's say that Klippa is the balloon, and that energy that you, um, by bringing down uh, Hashem with your sin, you're like uh, giving uh, air to the balloon. It's something like that, that it's something without sense and life doesn't exist so it, 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 it's a little bit difficult and I don't want to get too sidetracked in this particular class right now to bring across this idea but let me go back to the first thing that you mentioned of puppets okay mm-hmm. now in a puppet show there's always a villain right and the villain waves his hands in the air saying I could do whatever I want ha 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 I can't do it you have to ask Tandrum yeah, he, he he gives an evil laugh and says, I could make the whole world, and then there's the lightning and thunder, and uh, then he becomes vanquished. Now, in, the, in his waving his hands in the air saying he could do whatever he wants, yeah? Who's really doing that? 
not the villain, the puppeteer. But the Abishter instills a certain consciousness inside of the puppet that makes it feel like it's doing whatever it wants on its own. And there's a certain free choice element which is introduced into this puppet show where although nothing can happen that's outside of the control of Hashem, but nevertheless, they have a certain element of free choice where the puppet is making an active choice what to say or how to act, etc. And to add another layer of confusion to this, there's also the audience. And in the audience's perception, when they're looking at the puppet and perceiving it as a self-animated puppet, that itself gives a certain boost to the puppet's negativity and concealment and fakeness. So all of those things intertwine in this presentation of the Klippa of Sitra Akra as they present themselves. But one key element is that if you're going to get so far below, we used the analogy in the last class of a wall that falls and the stone that you find farthest away or even deepest imprinted into the ground is falling from the highest height. If you're finding something which is so dark and so separated in order to be able to reach such a great distance, it had to have originated in a very high place. That's a logic that holds true throughout everything that exists, which is, it leads us to the somewhat uneasy conclusion that the lower and darker something is, the higher its source. Don't think then that the way to reveal its source is by embracing it, which is sometimes an inclination that you didn't have. Go embrace a terrorist because the terrorist, after all, is coming from a higher source than the... But sometimes the only way to access the spark, the energy of godliness inside of it is through breaking its shell in order that that inner spark can be released. That's the an important point which we need to be able to recognize as we continue. Let's leave it at this for now. Well, let's read inside a little bit. We'll come back to these discussions because ultimately this is what Hanukkah is about. And we're recognizing it in the law of lighting the Menorah, the halacha of lighting the Menorah. In the halacha of lighting the Menorah, you light the Menorah 
So we start off, and this is really the name of the Mimer. If you tell someone, what Mimer are you learning? You're going to ask someone, someone's going to ask you, what Mimer are you learning in Yeshiva? So you tell them you're learning the Mimer Misha Tishka Hachama from 5738, from Lamed Ches. So Misha Tishka Hachama, what does Misha Tishka Hachama mean? It means when the sun sets. Let's read inside Valpiza Yuvan. According to this, we could understand Mashemuva, that which is brought Be'inyan Mishatishka Hachama, with regard to this subject of Mishatishka Hachama. This is the first element, the first aspect of the rule, the halacha of lighting the menorah that we're going to address. The setting sun. Now, the setting sun at first glance, is something negative. The setting sun is what introduces darkness into the world. The setting sun introduce, uh, implies a, um, uh, a, a, a disintegrating of light, of kedusha, of holiness, to the point that there's able to be night, that there's able to be darkness, that there's able to be evil. And that's when we light the minayur, when the sun sets. And this is unusual as far as mitzvahs go, because most mitzvahs, not all mitzvahs, but most mitzvahs, we perform specifically by day. And this is a mitzvah that we perform specifically at night. And not only is this a mitzvah which is unusual in the small category of mitzvahs that we perform specifically at night, It's also in contrast to those mitzvahs which it emulates, other lighting candles like Shabbos candles, which must must be done by day, as we discussed in the first class, and like lighting the menorah in the base of Mikdash, which also was done specifically during the day. It was still an hour and a quarter before um, sunset that the menorah in the base of Mikdash was lit. But it says in the Zayar, Maimar HaZayar, the Zayar teaches with regard to this idea of the sun setting, Allah Pasuk on the verse, Ve'el mekaymai shayef, husham. This is a Pasuk in Kaihalas, one of the works of Shleimah HaMelech, that speaks about the sun setting, and it says that as it sets, so you see the sun is like is pouring towards the horizon as it's setting. It's rushing towards the horizon. And Shleim HaMelech describes what seems like a poetic description. But we're going to see that it's much more than just a poetic description. It's actually a very deep Kabbalistic description of the sun setting. And it says that as it sets, it's yearning, it's thirsting for its place. That means that place that it's rushing towards, where it's setting, it's yearning for that place. And then the verse says, Something even more than that. It shines over there. So again, the simple meaning over here is that it's describing the rays of sun as the sun is setting. Everyone loves a beautiful sunset, right? With the rays of sun filtering from the horizon as 
it's slowly sinking into the horizon. But Kabbalistically, this verse is saying something so much deeper. It's speaking about the process of sunset and the process of sunset as it exists inside of all aspects, all levels of creation. And it says that in, the verse is teaching us that in this process of sunset, although it looks like the sun is dying, so to speak, in truth, it's actually pulling towards that yonder where it's sinking into. It wants to go there and it shines in an even more powerful way in that darkness after it sinks down. Then it shines when it's actually shining here where it is. And this is the what the Zayar teaches. Kad ozil shimsho lemayiv. This is Aramaic. Kad when ozil shimsho. The sun goes lemayiv to the to the west. Hi mayiv. Then this west ikri is called mekoymei deshimsho. It's called the place of the sun. It's called its place. El mekoymei shoyev. It's interesting that the sun is always pulling towards the west. It's always pulling and pulling and pulling towards the west. And that west is called the place of the sun. What our perception is, that when the sun is setting, it's going out of its place. Its place is high noon. And when it reaches the setting state, it's outside of its place. And the Zayar says, no, as it's setting, that place where it's setting is called the place of the sun. That's what the Zayar is deriving from this verse of Shleima HaMelech. And the Maimer is going to explain this Zayar, it's known the explanation of this. Now we're going to explain it Kabbalistically. Mayrev hu Malchus. Mayrev, west, is the level of Malchus. As our sages teach us, it quotes over here a statement from the Gemara that Shchinta the Shchina, the divine presence, is in the Mayrev, in the West. And it's known that the divine presence is represented in the Sphira of Malchus. The Sphira of Malchus is the tenth of the ten Sphirot. There are ten godly energies that become the tools in creation of the world. Before the creation of the world, you have infinite godliness. And then we're going to use just one of the terms that it described earlier in the last ice of this mimer. Then there was a tzimtzum, a contraction. In the contraction, what happened was that the godliness was pulled to a side, so to speak, to create this makampano, an empty space. Now, this empty space is a complete void. There's nothing there. Because what is, only godliness is. Godliness is the only isness. Mm. 
And when you pull the godliness out, or at least apparently pull the godliness out, you have this complete void, a vacuum, an empty space with nothing there. Now Hashem creates inside of this empty space. And the tools which Hashem uses to create are, tell me, Hashem uses speech in the process of creation, you're right, but what are the tools? Hashem has ten tools. What are those ten tools called? Ten spheres. And those ten spheres are Chachma Binodas, intellectual, three intellectual, the six emotional, we learned about it in the Geris HaTshuva, and the final sphere of Malchus. Malchus is the tenth of the ten spheres. Now these ten spheres become the tools of creation, the building blocks, I should say, perhaps, of creation. And they exist on every single level. They exist in the high levels where the whole concept of creation is only um, a thought, an idea. And then they exist in the practical evolution of creation where it's developing from an idea to becoming something actual. And we know that there are four stages in that development. The first stage is Atsilus. Atsilus is sort of a bridge between the thought and the action. We could call it a blueprint, right? The blueprint is where you're taking your thought, you're making it something more actualized, but it's still only an idea. It's presenting itself on paper now. You're able to see it, but it's still only an idea. So that's the world of Atsilas, a world of pure godliness, a world where even angels don't exist because it's just a world of godliness. But the ten spheres do present themselves over there in the world of Atsilas, in this initial world, in this first step in the practical evolution of creation. And then you have subsequent to that, the world of Bria, the world of creation itself, that's where creation starts to take some form of tangibility, where Yeshus first presents itself, existence, that's why there are able to be angels in the world of Bria, powerful angels, holy angels, uh, 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 incomprehensible angels, but angels nevertheless. And then the world of Yitzira, where you have more angels but lower than the world of Bria, the world of Yitzir is the world of formation, where things start to take on a stronger, tangible um, uh, form and presentation. And then the world of Asiya, the world of practical action, that's where you have Yeshus. The truth is, in the world of Asiya, you have two, two steps. You have the spiritual world of Asiya, and then there is this huge um, gap. And then you have the physical world of Asiya, this physical world that we're in. Now, on all of these levels, you have the ten spheres. But when we speak about the ten spheres, we're usually speaking about the ten spheres not as they exist in the thought levels that precede Atsilus, and not as they exist in the practical evolutional levels as they come after Atsilus, but in the world of Atsilus itself, in the blueprint, that's where these building blocks 
are the most discussed. They're the, the, the they're visible. They're, you, you could actually recognize them. You could appreciate them. You could talk about them. But at the same time as being visible, they're also pure and untainted the way that they are in the lower levels. So when we're speaking about Malchus over here, we're referring to the level of Malchus in the world of Atsilus, the tenth sphere of the world of Atsilus. And this world, this level of Malchus is a really important level. The level of Malchus is perhaps one of the most, if not the most discussed level in Chassidus. Because the world of Malchus, the level of Malchus, excuse me, is what acts as a bridge from the blueprint of Atsilos to the beginning of actually building the world in the world of Bria. In other words, the world of Malchus says, okay, I get what you are seeing, and now let's put it into action. Now let's make it real. And therefore, the level of Malchus has three steps. Thought, which is still like the appreciation of everything that precedes it. Speech, which is the beginning of communication from the way that I appreciate it to the um, uh, world outside of me. To, okay, now let's make it happen. And then action is a just dry, it's something completely external. Action is something outside of me, but the action, when it's following the thought and the speech, is an action which is actualizing that which I understand and wish to communicate, wish to bring across to the world. And that's why the level of Malchus is such an important bridge between everything that comes before and everything that will come after. And that's where the Shekhinah is, the divine... We're talking about holy things. It's like, feel the energy in the room. Um, That's where the level of Malchus is, the level of Shekhinah, the divine presence. Shekhinah, B'mayiv, the Shekhinah, the word Shekhinah is the divine presence. The word Shekhin means to rest. Whoops. You see, that it's not just the, the lights, the, the whole Zoom just stopped. Oh, probably because the Wi-Fi got messed up. Okay, so getting back to this, we spoke about Shechinta b'mayriv. The Shechina, the divine presence is in the Mayriv. The word Shechina means resting, that which rests. And the divine presence rests in the Mayriv. That means that that's where you're able to see the descent from the higher level to the subsequent level. So when the sun is setting in the west, that's representing the level of Shekhinah, of the Divine Presence. And the Mimer continues and says, 
v'kad ozil shimsha lemayiv. The words of the Zayar when the sun is going into the west, who this represents hamshachas v'yividas. The hamshacha, the drawing down, and the yivida, the descent of Zair Anpin. We spoke about the six Midas. We said there are ten building blocks. In those ten building blocks, so there's the three conceptual ones, and then there's the six emotional ones. The six emotional ones are called Zo, or Zair Anpin, the small face. So when this Zo, the six Midas are setting, so to speak, the, the Zo represents the Shemesh, the sun. The Zah represents the Shemesh, the sun. And the sun sets into Malchus. It sets, that means the energy of godliness, in the world of Atsilus. You have the world of Atsilus. I, I want you to just picture it to the best of your ability for just a moment. The world of Atsilus is the ultimate vacation spot. Because... I, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. The problem is that once you go, you never come back. It's a it's a one. But <laughs> but it is the ultimate vacation spot because every other vacation spot entails certain um, uh, frustrations, and in Atsilas there's no frustration. There's just pure light, sun, godliness. There's just the sun shining, um, this pure sandy beaches with the sand doesn't get stuck between your toes. You know, you it's it's toes. like the purest, whitest sand, and it doesn't get stuck between your toes. And it, there's never any um, uh, clouds in the sky that, uh, that that bother you. It's just a pure blue sky, and you can't get sunburnt over Okay, whatever. I spoke enough about it, but it's it's the ultimate vacation, vacation spot. That's the world of Atsilos. So it's like Ganeden. It's it's even higher than Ganeden. Oh, okay. Ganeden itself has certain problems. There's often travel agents that uh, mess you up in Ganeden, but in Atsilos, there's never any mess ups. There's never any flight delays. There's nothing goes wrong over there in Atsilos. It's it's the best place you could imagine, the the ultimate destination. But like I said, once you get there, you never can leave. But the whole you wouldn't want to. You don't. That's why you never leave. That's exactly why. Once you get there, you never go out. The the world of Atsilos, the whole world of Atsilos, despite its utopian level is always pushing towards the Meir. It's pushing towards the West. That means there's the Hamshacha and the Yevida. That's like, it's it's like a, a, a waterfall. It's beauty, it's splendor and everything else, but it's always pulling down Yevida descent. It's drawing and it's descending. The world of Atsilos is constantly, despite its utopian um, uh, quality, 
it's constantly descending. And that's the Hamshachas Ve'iridas Zah, the sun, which is the Midas of the world of Atzilos, are constantly pushing towards the west. That's Mekayme, that's its place. Was that a little bit of a way to picture what we're talking about? Until it reaches Malchus, Malchus is that west where it's setting into. It's interesting that when the sun sets, it's dark, it's cold and everything else. But the sunset itself, that like few moments of sunset is the most beautiful, capitalized thing that you can possibly imagine. It's just everybody waits for that moment of sunset. There's like a certain ultimate beauty in sunset. Even sunrise does not compare to sunset. Sunset is the most, right? Mm-hmm. Why is that? It, it's no it's strange. The sunset, which it's, it's the same thing with fall, but whatever, it's not for now. The sunset, which represents the complete concealment of the sun, is its most beautiful moment of the day. And, no one's looking at and that's the Hamshachas za. You have the constant pulling and pulling and pulling of za into Malchus, into the sunset. Ad Baha Malchus Shanasis Mekar Libriya Yitzira Asiya. Now in Malchus we said there's that evolution inside of Malchus itself, right? We said that in Malchus there are three levels. Thought, speech, and action, which represents a certain evolutionary stages um, as it's going from thought where it's completely one and unified with that which is above until action to the opposite extreme, which is completely divorced and separate and external from that where, where it's coming from. Those three levels of Malchus are where Malchus is acting as a bridge, carrying over everything from Atsilos to the next level of Bria. Why would anyone want to leave Atsilos and go into Bria so much so that the, the beauty, the 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 unbelievable warmth and light and envelopment of the world of Atsilos is all pulling into Malchus in order to set inside of Malchus so that it's able to then go into the world of Bria, Yitzir, and Asiya. We're going to read about that in a moment. Let, let's read. As it becomes a source to Bria, Yitzir, and Asiya to the next levels, of the world of Bria, and then the world of Yitzir eventually, and then the world of Asiya eventually, and then the world of Asiya, as we said itself, you have the spiritual and the physical. Va'ad, until the point, Shanishka or Hatzilus, that the light of Atsilus, the light, the sun of Atsilus, Nishka, it sets, it sinks in until it reaches this world. Va'afal Pikain. And despite this, so you would think, that the sunset of Atsilos is a terribly sad time. It's like when your vacation is coming to an end. Your ultimate vacation, your most beautiful vacation is coming to an abrupt end. 
and you're just stuck now in a cold, dark world of eventually Asiya Gashmis, which is as cold and dark as it gets. Right? Mm-hmm. That's terrible. And yet, Va'afal Pikain, nevertheless, Hai Mayriv, this West, Ikri is being called Mikoimoi, the Shimsha, the place of the sun. This is what's being called the place of the sun. Shezehu Mikoimoi Hamiti, that this is its true place, its real place. Where does it belong, so to speak? It belongs in the West. Not in Atsilus, in the utopian Atsilus, but in the West, when it sets and descends and is gone. Could you imagine? Ki, now we say in the parentheses, Ki because hakavana ha'amitis, the true objective, baha'atzolas ha'atzilus, these words are, ha'atzolas is the verb, atzilus is the noun. Where Atsilus is Ma'atzil. The word Ma'atzil means emanating or something to that effect. At- emanating. Just like spreading out. Atsilus is a shining level of godliness, of pure godliness. And it emanates. The reason why it's called Atsilus is not just because it's emanating from Atsilus to the next level, but also because it is an emanation of everything that precedes it, right? You have this idea in your head, and you're emanating it onto paper in the blueprint. You're like allowing it to exist, to become real. That's what Atsilus is. Atsilus is godliness becoming a world. A world. Something real, something that you can now build from. And the whole purpose of this fantastic, beautiful, amazing Atsilus coming about is not for itself, but he bishvil his savus It's for the purpose of the being brought into existence of Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya. The add to the point, Shasham Davka. That specifically there, it shines. <laughs> it's not shining in Atsilus, where you have the beautiful sun shining in a perfectly blue sky. Where is it shining? When it's setting into the world of Bria, and of course, not just into the world of Bria, but into the world of Asiya Gashmis, this world which is full of storms and coldness and the opposite of everything that Atsilus is about. Opposite extreme. And that's where the sun is shining. <laughs> that's where the sun is shining. al It's pulling towards that place. And it's shining over there. And the reason why, the Mimer continues to explain. We just need to read the words because otherwise we're going to be left hanging. Sha'ikr va'amitis inyan hazricha. Because the primary ikr the Amitis and true Indian idea of Zricha, of shining, is not in the world of Atsilas. You with me, Maisha? Yeah. It's not in the world of Atsilas. You appreciate what's going on over here? It's not in the world of Atsilas, but who be Bria Yitzira Asiya Dafka. It's specifically in the world of Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya. That's where it is. Not in the world of Atsilas. The main objective is not about Atsilas. 
That's like me telling you that the main objective is not about vacation. And it's true. <laughs> it's true, right? Vacation, by definition, is supposed to be a rejuvenation. <laughs> it's, supposed, it's supposed to be giving you new life, new energy, new... To come back into the world. To be back here. And do what you need to do. It's not the destination... It's just a energizing for what's real. Yeah. Vacation itself is not real. So the objective is not the world of Atsilus. The objective is the, is the world of Asiagashmis. Ukamavur, Besefer Tanya Kadisha, as it explains in the holy book of Tanya, the higher worlds, meaning Atsilus, Bria, Yitzira. Even the spiritual world of Asiyah, they are a descent from the light of Hashem, the countenance of Hashem. There was a, a certain woman who was complaining to her friend. She said, my husband is furious with me. So her friend asks her, why, was, why is your husband furious with you? She says, because since I married him, I turned him into a millionaire. So oh. she says, I don't get it. Why is that a reason for him to be furious with her? She says, because he used to be a billionaire. <laughs> Atsilos is a fantastic place. It's beautiful. It's a millionaire place. But before Atsilos is a billionaire place. So you could never be satisfied with Atsilos as utopian as it may be because ultimately Atsilos is a Yerida Me'ar Panav Yisbarich. It's a descent from the Abishter's countenance, that means the level that precedes Atsilus is even greater. And it's not about that level either because the level that precedes it is greater. And it's not about that level because the level that precedes it is also greater. So you could never tell me that the objective is in the lower level. That's like if I go and build you a beautiful home, but I'm replacing... An even more beautiful home. That's illogical and very upsetting. The only way that I can make you happy is if what I'm building for you is greater. It has some element of novelty, of beauty, of of achievement over what you used to have. And that exists only in our world. <laughs> Only in our world, in Asiya Gashmis, this world that feels so yeshus that anything that precedes it, even spirituality, is ayin. It feels like nothing. You can't recognize any earlier link in the chain. The concept of having an earlier link in the chain is unfathomable because, because we feel like we exist and we always exist and we always will exist. Only here 
in this world do you have the ultimate home? This is Mekoimoi, the place where the sun is setting into, where Zayreach Husham, where ultimately it's shining. Because the Eilam Eishal Yenim again, Heim Bechinas Yerida, their descent, Me'ar Panavisbach, Masha Einkein, as opposed to Eilam Eishbriya Yitzira Asiya, the worlds of Briya Yitzira and Asiya, Ubefrat Eilam Hazah HaTachtin, and especially this lower world, She'ein Tachtin Lamatimimano, that there is nothing lower than it. That's where Nasim were able to make Dira Loi Yisbarach, a Dira for him, blessed be he, a Dira Atzmusai, a Dira for the essence, a, a home for the essence of Hashem, not for the emanations of Hashem, because emanations are by definition a Yerida, a descent from that which preceded it. That's the definition of an emanation. An emanation means it's a shine. A shine means that there's something that's preceding it that's a greater source of light that's shining into it, right? Only here in this world where there's nothing shining can you say that it's a dira for the Eibishter's essence. Bedugmas diras adam in the way of uh, the dwelling place of a person. She'atzmus ha'adam dar bahadira that the essence of the person lives inside of this dwelling place. This is the dwelling place that we make this world into a dwelling place for the essence of Hashem. V'ad to the point she'kiyadua that as is known yesh hanivra the yesh which is created that means us. That we feel, as we mentioned earlier in the beginning of this class, we feel that we exist and nothing led to our existence. The chair is here and nothing is breathing existence into it. Who dugmas it's specifically this. Where, does, where do we get this feeling from? That we exist and we just exist, nothing else in the whole Seder Ishtalshlus feels like it exists on its own. Why do we feel like we exist on our own? Everything else feels like there's something that's giving it existence. And we feel like we exist on our own. Why do we feel like that? Because in order for us to be here, there needs to be some push from Atmos, from the essence of Hashem. It's, we're connected to the essence of Hashem in a way that no other level is. And since the essence of Hashem exists just because it exists, and nothing created it, God forbid, nothing brought it into existence, it just exists, so too we feel like we just exist since that's our source. It's a source which we don't see the evolution from, but it's a source which is the underlying source of us, and that's why we have that feeling. Let's just finish off this paragraph. This is why the lights of Hanukkah, the mitzvah, is when the sun sets. Because the objective of Ner Hanukkah is to illuminate the darkness of Bria Yitzir and Asiya, which is Shkias Hashem where the sun of Atzilus sets. Shall Yudei Zedavka, that through this specifically, Nasa Hazricha, are you able to have the shining? until the revelation and the dwelling 
of Hashem, as we said earlier, and we'll stop over here for today.